Up next, right here on Spreaker, it's your boy, the governor of Minnesota. Sports talk, that is. The big, smooth Vince Wright coming to you live with sports done right. Keep it locked. It's about time you got it right. Up next, it's your boy, the big, smooth Vince Wright, broadcasting live from the Sportstacular Governor's Mansion, the governor of sports talk, that is, and he's got your ticket to all the latest sports-related news, events, and hot topics. Are you ready to get it right? Sports Done Right, up next. Live from the office of Minnesota's number one sports authority, 
He's the governor of Sports Talk Radio, and by way of executive order, serving you a stimulating dose of sports done right. And what's going on, everybody? Vince Wright, the sports governor, with my main man, and surprising that he's going to join us tonight, the one and only Mr. Reggie Lawrence. What's up, Reg? Governor, what's happening, man? Not much, not much. Let's tell the people what it's all about here, man. Um, Reggie is not going to be available on Thursday, so we thought we'd have a little fun tonight and kind of combine the shows, Sports Done Right, Sports, and more. And we do, we got the main man here, and right on time, because he's going to be telling us what he's thinking about his Cavaliers here coming up here shortly. I got some things to say about that as well. Uh, I, I'm not quite as worried about it, but we'll get into that and see what Reggie's thinking a little later on. Uh, we're going to talk about Mr. Chum Lee from Pawn Star, some interesting stuff going on in reality television, and see what kind of deal he worked out with the government today, Reg. Uh, <laughs> hey, brother, how was your weekend? It was exhausting, man. We had a pretty big tournament, 16 teams, and actually our team took, what, second place against uh, the best team we Barely lost him the first time and met him in the championship round. So it was a long weekend, but it was it was fun and exciting. How about yours? Uh, a real nice weekend, man. Nice, chill weekend. Beautiful weekend up here in the Twin Cities, finally. So we got it going here, and I can't complain. It's supposed to rain here the next few days. Hopefully clears out this weekend. Me and the First Lady going to be doing some golfing, I hope. But, yeah, it was a beautiful weekend up here. Hung out with the kid a little bit, my daughter. Watch her doing her thing. She's starting to pick up on this tennis and golf thing, Reg. Right. So now you mean the first lady's going to be doing some golfing because you probably going to get your ass kicked. Oh, yeah. here he goes. Here he goes. <laughs> she going to get it. It's a neutral course this time. We're going to go. Actually, going to go over into Wisconsin. Uh, oh, the town called River Falls. About it. It's uh-huh. actually only about twenty five minutes from where we live. So not too far at all, but yeah, gonna do some golfing over there with some friends. So she's gonna she's gonna get her ass kicked. Do you hit off the lady tees too, or what? Wow, really, Reg? Off the uh, lady tees? I, I'm oh, just wondering, man. man. I'm just trying to give you some confidence because last time we talked, it seemed like you've been getting blasted every time yeah. we talk about golf. Hey, man, don't make me go backdoor incognito <laughs> and get your get your chick guest spot up in, in here one night, my brother. <laughs> I'm sure she's going to join us soon, so you can get even with me. All right, folks. Well, anyway, again, this is, I guess, technically sports done right. I am the sports governor, Vince Wright. I am here with the co-host of my other show, the Sports and More Show. Again, Reggie Lawrence. You know him as DJ Dollars and Cents up in these chat rooms. And again, he's going to talk about his sorry old Cleveland Cavaliers here in a little bit. Or some of the other things we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, very special guest coming on. And Reggie, why don't you tell the people who's going to be joining us in the second hour? Nice. I think we have uh, Togo there who runs um, the uh, his baseball league there. What's the name of that uh, league, Vince? I apologize. I had it written down. I had it written down either. I didn't have it written down. But give me a second here. We'll find out. But uh, tell them about Togo and what he's got the going Selma, on. The Selma, wasn't it? Selma Toros. Selma Toros. So here's the thing. I appreciate you letting me um, hop on your show tonight. What's going on is actually, um, I'm sure you're familiar with a program called Girls on the Run. So basically here and in other states, they have um, for young ladies, 
they do running or, you know, they jog, do 5K, 10K, whatnot. So they actually asked me to volunteer and do a uh, DJ for their Girls on the Run program Thursday. So um, that's the reason why I'm going to be joining you tonight. But um, other than that, I think we're going to have a great program. Like you had said, we're going to talk about um, African-American participation in baseball. I had some interesting stats and wanted to talk about that. I think there was a couple callers, um, some of our listeners last week, that had some choice words regarding baseball and and African-Americans in other sports, so I'd like to talk about that. And, you know, it's a very interesting topic, and again, this is uh, Sports Done Right, and I'm the Sports Governor Vince Wright with DJ Dollars and Cents, and I know you're very passionate, as in case you're not uh, knowing this, folks, my co-host here actually is a baseball coach himself. He coaches the 10 and under league, so he's working with the real small kids, you know, kids that really still have just the love of the game just to be out there playing and, and learning good techniques. Our guest tonight, Togo Coles, is actually, he hosts a podcast here, the Lonely Hearts Club. And he also, as we said, he's the principal owner of the Selma Toros baseball team. And he's going to tell you about his organization and what he has going on and how exactly it helps African-American baseball players basically get to the next level. So, Reg, I'm real excited about tonight's hmm. show. Oh, wait, Fisher, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about the Cavaliers uh Fisher said, Dollars, you try not to talk about the Cavs. I have no problem talking about the Cavs. We in a better boat situation than your boys are in. But why don't we um, talk about who's in the chat room? How about Let's that? Let's do that, man. First and foremost, he is the gridiron assassin. I definitely want to give a shout-out to him. Always good to have him up in this joint. What's up, gridiron? Grid was good. And, of course, our main man, Atlanta GA, by way of Georgia State University, the one and only... The Hammer Sluggo is in the house. The Chief Justice Sluggo, what's going down, sir? Thank you, Sluggo, for joining us. I know you got my man's theme music, right? Oh yeah. For the next one, guest, here we go, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from an old folks' home somewhere in Atlanta, Georgia. They led him up to get up and dance. He's gonna join us, the Chief Rocker. Oh, excuse us, number one Chief Rocker, Reggie Jersey Burn, up in the house. Always good to have the Chief Rocker up in here. I want to say what up to my wonderful mother, who is uh, doing very well after a little thyroid procedure. Mom Bell is up in here. Uh, quarantined at the house, but she's listening. Hi, Mama. I love you. Hey, Ma Bell. Thank you for joining us. How you doing? Oh, and hold on. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, you know her. You love her. Let's give him a little bit of a little sample of her voice. You are listening to Sports Done Right with your host, Vince Wright, right here on Spreaker.com. The one and only lovely Spicy and her show, Spicy Conversations, Reg. What's up? Man, let me tell you, boy. She, her voice, she got the gift of gab right there. I'm oh, telling you. <laughs> I can listen to her all night. Don't I tell had, the first lady, but yeah. I won't, and uh, I don't think Carla's logged in either. I had, um, <laughs> right. I had mentioned the spicy man. Let me tell you, if she ever wanted to do the, you know, the voice chat type, you know, late night, she could make a killing, man. Let me just tell you, bro. But yeah, either oh, way, yeah, absolutely love to hear her and and her takes and whatnot. Her show is absolutely fantastic. All right. Well, let's finish up in this chat room here real quick, and we'll get into the meat of the show. We got our main man, Mr. 334 Bama Boy, is up in the joint. What's up, Bama? Always repping his Alabama gear. He sure is, man. He sure is. 
Um, again, my brother-in-law, Jeff Pohl, out there in the joint. What up to Jeffrey? Jeff, and, what's good? Oh, the one and only. Patty Cake, Patty Cake, Microwave himself, Mr. John Fisher, host of Cooking with the Microwave. What's going on, Big John? What's up, John? And all of these are X Squad Affiliates, and check out our shows at xsquadaffiliates.com. Yeah, we also have Lady Poochie, or Mrs. Sluggo, in the oh, room. Mrs. Sluggo, what's up? What's up? Oh, he, he, we got a call coming in. One Uh-oh, already. Off the bat. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the host, as we just said, of Cooking with the Microwave. John Fisher, thank you for calling in. What's going on, brother? What's going on, Gov? Dollars. Gov, you know I called in to get a piece of dollars real quick, man. <laughs> oh, I, hey, man, I, I'm stepping back. I'm just going to go uh, touch up the Patron here and let you guys at it. So, uh, ding, ding, round one. Uh, I, I couldn't even get I, situated. Well, First of all, Dallas, I, I just want to say, man, I love this time of year. This is the time of year where you and I go at it. You know what I'm saying? And I, and, I, and I love the way we go back and forth. But I didn't come to troll you. I just want to ask at first, like, what what do you think y'all did wrong? Or, you know, are you worried Are you worried at all that you may have a chance to lose this series? Or do you just think y'all just got to play harder? Okay, so here's what I've taken from everything. For one, Toronto has beat Cleveland every single game at home during the uh, during the regular season. So mm-hmm. they're a very tough home team. The other thing is Cleveland was shooting ridiculously hot um, for a, what, probably a 12-game stretch. So they were bound to go cold at some point. They've been taking too many three-pointers. They fell in love with the three-pointers. They've been taking, I think, up to 82 threes so far. So... Am I worried? I'll be honest with you. No, I'm not. Um, am I a little bit surprised that it's 2-2? A little bit. But honestly, I think when they get back home, they're going to take care of business at home. And, and then I think it's going to go either 6 or 7. But no, I, I'm not worried about it. Um, I think they fell in love too much with that three-point ball. My only concern is Kevin Love is all of a sudden coming back to Kevin Love of old. He's soft. So uh, what are your... What's your opinion on what I just shared regarding that, Fish? I I agree with most of what you said. They fell in love with the three-pointer. But as far as Kevin Love goes, he he doesn't do anything for you guys other than shoot threes and grab rebounds. You know, that's basically all he does. Like, they don't post him up on the block or anything like that. And his replacement, Channing Fry, doesn't do anything but shoot three-pointers and grab rebounds. You know what I mean? So, yes, they fell in love with the three. Um, I'm surprised that you don't feel a little bit worried Valanciunas is, is probably he was he was he was ready to go off the bench um, last night, but because you know they didn't need him, he had another game's rest, and now he's got another day's rest, and he'll be playing. He'll be playing in Cleveland, so I think that might be a little bit of a mix-up, something that y'all haven't seen all series with Valanciunas coming in, and then okay, he might be able to shake things up a little bit. I, I think y'all should be worried because all they need to do is win one game on the road, and and it's going to seem like the sky is falling. Well, yeah, they always say a playoff isn't a playoff until the home team loses a game. But um, the one thing about Kevin Love, actually, is that he was playing more low post when they went on that 10-game streak, to be honest with you. Now, he also was playing at the, you know, shooting a lot of threes, but he was getting the, the ball down low. Now he's gone back to drifting. Now, Shannon Fry actually is the one guy who's been consistent regarding knocking down that three-pointer regardless. Now... Let's talk about Toronto. It's, it's no different in Toronto. 
So if Lowry goes, so goes the rest of the squad. All they have is Lowry and they have uh, DeRozan. So really, I think maybe Valachunas coming back might be a blessing for Cleveland because he does clog the middle. And to be honest with you, um, he's not as, as much of a rebounding threat as Bismarck, and he's not much of a, I mean, a, a shot blocker as Bismarck has been. So am I... Have you seen him play this postseason? Yeah, I've watched him play, but it's still, he, he, when he played, they still lost to Miami. Walking through the door, but, but they also beat Miami. I mean, like, walking through the door, he's going to give you, coming off the bench, he's going to give you at least 17. Okay, Starting, but- he was giving you about 20, 22, 23 in the playoffs. Like, I think that's something that, that you guys might need to worry about because y'all not getting many um, points, you know, out of your center position. All your points are coming for wing players, uh, you know, and, and, and Kyrie. Well, you, you do realize, though, that um, once he comes back, he's, there's, he's still going to have to guard somebody uh, probably away from the basket. So they'll put Kevin Love at center. And then they'll, you know, they'll mix it up like that. So I don't think it's one of those where I'm really worried about. Now, if it was a white side type player, yeah, I would be worried. But honestly, I think it will help Cleveland. And again, Cleveland does have home court advantage. So everybody shoots better at home. The role players play better. And Cleveland's going, They, you know, Toronto was up, what, 18 points? And they yep. let Cleveland back in the game. So that's the other thing that I'm like, hmm. You know, um, well, they did they they did let Cleveland back in the game, but they had the resiliency as a young squad. They they lost the lead for a second, but they had the resiliency, even though they were a young squad, to pull to power through that and still come up with the victory. Now, I mean, one thing if they they lost the lead and all of a sudden everything just collapsed, but I, I felt like last night they stepped up to the plate. Now, I know you say you think Valanciunas helps helps um, Cleveland, but I feel like on the offensive end. Valentunas helps Toronto a lot, and he makes it a lot easier for Lowry and DeRozan to, um, to, to, to get easy look because they don't have to take all of the shots. They can dump the ball down low, let him go to work, do what he does, and then also he'll be able to, after a while, draw some double teams. Pro- he'll probably be in the game when Tristan Thompson is in the game. No one's worried about Tristan Thompson shooting 30-footers, so he'll be around the basket as well, you know? A very good yeah, point by yeah. Fish, man. Good point, but also do you realize that Cleveland shot 37%? So honestly, to be honest, the reason they lost the game, Fish, is because their shooting was horrendous. I mean, that, that's basically what, what it is, what it is. Toronto got really hot, and they've been hot these last two games, and they shot horrible the other first two. Cleveland had been shooting lights out the 10 games, and then they lost two games because they couldn't shoot. They, brought, um, they went 11 straight in the fourth quarter. Came back and then they got hot and I think Tyrone Lou got out coach at the end. That's kind of you know how I see it. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. I don't but think Lou got out coach. I don't think Lou got out coach at the end. If you really look at it towards the end, LeBron after like the the four the four point the four minute mark, LeBron really didn't do anything. And right. with that being said, it, with, with, I mean he had Kyle Lowry guarding him a couple of plays and he couldn't come up with any baskets. You know what I'm saying? And, and whenever something like that happens, when you can put Kyle Lowry on LeBron James and he can't come up with any baskets, you're probably going to lose that game. And it hey, just trickled down to everybody else and everybody else started missing. 
Hey, Fish, uh, it's the Gov here, Vince Wright, and everybody you're listening to Sports Done Right tonight on Tuesday. We got a little special hybrid show going with my co-host, Reggie Lawrence. We got our main man cooking with the microwave, Mr. Patty Cake himself, John Fisher's on the line. Hey, John, I just wanted to ask you something, man, as I was thinking about this. You know, I'm a little bit older, and I come from the old school where we had reliable centers that played in the NBA. And, man, I was looking at the numbers after the game, you know, I'm looking at this Golden State game here the other night, and, you know, you got Andrew Bogut. He had, I think, two points, and Steve Adams only had, I believe, mm. eight or ten points. Man, what's happened to, to center play in the NBA? Um, it's, it's come to the point, well, if you look at it, the, the, the era of the center, of the dominant center, um, I won't say it's over. It's just every now and then you'll find one. But no one nowadays, you know, the big guys, they don't have any post moves. All they really do, all they really want it for is to rebound, block shots, and if they can run the floor great. If they can run the floor great because we can hit them with a dump pass and they can dunk it, you know. Right. But, I mean, I mean, you know, every once in a while you have someone like a Boogie Cousins who can do it all. He, he's even shooting three-pointers, you know, and he's a center. Um, but for the, for, the, for the most part, man, you're not going to get much production out of the big man. You might get some out of the guys that can shoot free throws, like a Steven Adams. Oh, you know, you, you, say, you say your big man is shooting 60-something percent from the free throw line, and you're feeling pretty good because you can keep him late, you know, in, late in the game. Right. Now, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you because, to me, the, I take Whiteside over Boogie <laughs> Cousins. I take Whiteside over Boogie Cousins. And if it wasn't for – actually, if Whiteside – was still in that series, Miami beats um, Toronto, hands down. Whiteside is going to get a max contract. He's a better offensive player. He has finesse. He can shoot free throws, and he can block shots. So, whoa, 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 whoa. Hassan Whiteside is not a better offensive player than Boogie Cousins. Oh. That is that is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard you say, Now They are I'm not saying the better same low post Hassan moves. Whiteside. He's way better huh? low post moves. What? Hassan Whiteside doesn't have any low post moves. He turns around and dunks the ball. No, he has a he has a um, a jump hook. He has a lot of low post moves. I'm not sure why you don't watch Miami. But where where is Boogie? Cousins? I watch Miami. I I I, I would, He's in Sacramento. I, I would suggest you cue up some of his tape and look at some of his moves. <laughs> All right, folks, nah. it is going down, man. No, but, but wait a minute. Oh, oh. Why, why are you talking smack? If anything, you need to be worried about your Golden State Warriors. That's what you need to worry about. Don't worry about the Cavs. Your boy's getting an ass kicked at home and on the road. So what you talking about now? Hey, How about that? Hey, look, man. I don't I don't have a dog in the fight. Oh, you had I one thought, last year. I, I'm picking I'm oh, I'm picking the Warriors. I'm I picked the Warriors to win. Um I'm standing by my pick to say that the Warriors are gonna win. Right now they're not it's not looking good, you know, but tonight's a game. If they win tonight, all's good. You know, if they lose tonight, then the series is over, but it's not like OKC is a slouch team. I would rather prefer OKC win a championship. I just don't think OKC can beat Cleveland, which is why I want to see Golden State face Cleveland. Maybe maybe Golden State is overrated. Like people, you know, just because they ran through 70, whatever their win streak is, they had a bunch of breaks go their way. They, it's funny well, how I'm people, not going to say Well, I'm, I'm not going to say, say they're overrated. Yeah. I think, I, I'm not going to say they're overrated. I just think that, that OKC is probably a little bit underrated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, look at look at the play. Look at the play you're getting out of Deion Waiters. You know what I mean? Look at yep. the play you're getting out of Robinson. Look at the play you're getting out of Adams. 
Look at the play you got out of out of Ibaka last game. You got so many different guys on that team stepping up. Remember, in the beginning of the series, Ibaka really wasn't doing much. They had him stashed on the bench. But when he comes in the game, that's another offensive threat. Not not really a threat, but he can hit an open three, and if you give him the ball like you see close to the rim, he's going to dunk it. You know, and that, and he got going, and they're, they're a pretty deep team. I think people slept on it, and they have been predicting the game to, to Golden State. They were not doing what Golden State dictated to them. Do you do realize this is the same Golden State, same exact squad that gave up two games to um, a Cleveland team minus two superstars? Basically, LeBron James and um, some co- some some uh, D leaguers that came in and played. I disagree. I disagree. Oh, this is not the same now. Golden State squad. It this is, is the not same. the same Golden State squad. Number one, number one, Golden State's gotten better. Number two, it's not the same squad. Uh, 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 what's your boy? Um, the left hand dude. He's not there anymore. I just forgot his name, David Lee. He's not there anymore. He was David there last he year. Play, he played significant um, minutes. He didn't. He, no, did he didn't play. play minutes. No, he did not. I, he he, he did didn't not play, play much. He didn't play much, but he played. Oh, but he, he, on, he, no. even so, even so, even yeah. so, man. I mean, I, I would. I don't think OKC has has matched up well against Cleveland. Like when just a head to head Kevin Durant, LeBron saga. LeBron has like completely dominated that. That is why I mean, like you said, you say it's the same Golden State team. Mostly they're yes, mostly they're the same, but they've gotten better. I and, think you know what I mean. But at the same time, they got their, they got their foot on the throat. It's all what they're going to do. Toronto's, with it. Toronto's no slouch either, though. They 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 were the second you know uh, what number two seed in the East. They're no slouch. They've beaten Toronto, good but, teams. But Toronto's too. not as good a team. Toronto's not as good a team as Oklahoma City. Let's you stop can't that right say here. that. You can't say that. They they beat Oklahoma City during the regular season. Gov, gov, yo, yo, gov. I'm here. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think Toronto is a better team than Oklahoma City? No, I do not. What? Why All do right, you base that, that right there? Set off events. Well, just off of what for, you see. Yeah, I was just going to say. Just for me, it's off the eye test dollars. You I can't. I, Look, I respect what Toronto's done. I'm a big fan of Dwayne Casey, as I, as I said on the show many times. Former Timberwolf coach, he was fired unjustly, by the way. But no, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm with uh, the microwave on this one, man. It's just the eye test for me. It, it, you know, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City, time and time again, in my opinion, has proven they're the better team. I know that Toronto's the second seed. I know they got the impressive record, but for me, Oklahoma City is better. Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. They had predicted Oklahoma City was going to get blown out by San Antonio, especially after that first game thrashing. Now, all of a sudden, everybody want to jump on the OKC bandwagon. It's interesting how that goes. Hey, real quick here, I no want to give a uh, real quick fish. I just wanted to give a shout out to a new listener, my mother's next door neighbor, wanted to say what up to Big Jason over there checking out the show for the first time. So, Big Jace, appreciate you stopping by there. And, uh, Fisher, you go ahead, sir, and uh, finish your comment. Yeah, be- yeah. Be- before I get out of here, man, I-, I just wanted to know how do y'all feel. I wanted to get it verbally uh, as opposed to having to respond in the chat room. What-, what do y'all feel about the whole Draymond Green thing? I think it's some bull. It's some BS, man. Let me tell you, you suspend um, Dante Jones, who's a scrub. Granted, he hit the guy in the package, but then you don't susp- suspend Draymond Green. For doing not once but twice, and the second one was completely obvious. Now, if he hadn't suspended Jones, then I'm like, okay, cool. You've got to suspend him for one game, and the reason he didn't do it is because it's Golden State, and he didn't want to be known as a commission or the the guy that 
um, gave them an uh, unfair advantage if they were to go on to lose that uh, playoff series. You, you got to suspend him for a game because he's an he is an a hole at that too. He's a punk. What say you, Gov? You know, I looked at it. I, I I get where the suspension people are coming from. I probably wouldn't have done the suspension, but. With that being said, obviously, if it happens again, we do suspend because he has done it twice. I get it. You know, they're trying to say it's all in the motion and whatnot. Again, goes to the eye test for me. I'm not buying it. So the next one would be a suspension. But the problem, I guess, is, is that without him being suspended, Fish, is that it's given the conspiracy theorists and everybody else you know, a lot of room to run wild and talk about here we go again. The league's just trying to keep Golden State in this, so on and so forth. So that's how I feel about it, bro. What about you, Fish? Well, to me, to me, um, I don't think he should have been suspended. I think the league did what the referees should have did that day, which is upgraded to a flagrant to eject him from the game, and he doesn't get suspended from another game. You know, um, like I say, it's clear that look. The Dante Jones thing, Dante Jones didn't have the ball in his hand. That was on a play that was a, a loose ball play. At least we can say Draymond had the ball in his hand. Players do flail all the time. Doug said that he hadn't seen. I mean, Reggie Miller was flailing. You know what I mean? Guys were flailing back then. Now, um, do I think he meant to kick him? Yes. Do I think he meant to kick him in the nuts? Um, maybe yes. But at the same time, for the fact that you can have a, a – an uh, inkling of doubt to say, well, you can't really say he was trying to kick him in the balls. For for that particular reasoning, you can't suspend him. You know, you find him, yes, uh, upgrade it to a flagrant two. If he gets another flagrant foul at any point in time in the rest of the playoffs, right. if you know, okay. if they make it out of this round, then then he'll be suspended again. And okay, again, so folks, I'm sorry, Reg. I was just going to yeah, say, I'm letting folks know you're listening to Sports Done Right on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. Check us out at xsquadaffiliates.com. Go ahead. So why does Dante Jones not get a flagrant two? Because you can't say you don't know what Dante Jones' intent was. So you, you're well, but you saw, but you saw, but you saw Dante Jones have an open hand and then close his fist and then hit the guy in the balls. <laughs> I see my man that, do that's a the, soccer. That's the difference. No, I see my man go for a field goal and kick dude in the junk not once but twice. And if if he didn't talk trash the first time, he need him. And was like, get the f out of here, or whatever. This second time, I would be like, okay, but nah, man. You got since you suspended well, look, one guy, the first you time, the, same. the first time, the first time to me was really questionable. I mean, you got one guy standing there, you got another guy making a layup. I, I know you play basketball, dogs. When you when you go for a layup off of one foot, the other foot is in the air. Now, wherever that foot, if a person decides to get in, get in the way and their, your knee hits their stomach, it's going to be foul on them. Or, you know, hey, you, you have the right as a player coming off of one foot to have one leg in the air. And, yeah, he talked trash. He talked trash to him, but he deserved it. He talked about little monkeys and all of that stuff. Whether, he, whether he's from another country or not, I'm pretty sure in New Zealand that little monkeys is not accepted amongst the black people out there. You know, so so with all of that being said, yeah, yeah, he should he should have needed, he should have needed, but you know, I I don't I, I mean the, the kick, yes, I I, I do think he I, I think he meant to kick him there, I really do think he did, but at the same time, you know that that's just an opinion, and you can't really judge his intent, so you can't suspend him from a game of this magnitude 
you know, just when there's some type of doubt. If it was a closed fist punch or or, or or a blatant elbow to the face, then yeah, that's something different. But this is a kick that you can actually have some type of doubt. I can before we let you go. I can guarantee you, if, if LeBron James or Tristan Thompson had hit somebody in the junk like Dante Jones, he wouldn't have got suspended. Point no, blank. he wouldn't have. So Chris Paul, right. Chris Paul doesn't get suspended. Yeah, I know. Good point. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this has been John Fisher joining us on Sports Done Right. Fish, before we let you get out of here, man, why don't you tell the people where they can find you at? Uh, you can catch me on Spreaker, J Fish the Microwave, uh, Facebook, John Fisher, J-O-N-F-I-S-H-E-R. You can catch me cooking with the microwave Tuesday nights directly after Sports Done Right. There we go. And also part of that Stewart Media and Entertainment conglomerate with the X squad affiliates, man. So fish, I just wanted to thank you very much. Oh, and Reggie has uh, one last thing for you. Well, let me just real quick before you go. We got to just go over a few chats here. Just, just real quick. So let's see here. Slogan said, agree Jarvis. No way I'm taking him over boogie cousins. So they agree with you regarding white side. Um, Jersey Vern said you was backtracking. Stop microwave. David Lee only played three playoff games last year against Boston in the first round. And then Jarvis said he knew OKC was going to beat the Spurs. All sluggo. Draymond did nothing wrong per Jarvis. And that's pretty much it. Says Jarvis is sluggoing on that. Let's see if Golden State's got any, any cherries. Tonight is crucial. They're, gonna, uh, <clears throat> they're, they're taking it to the rack early. And that's pretty much about it. Jarvis said preach. So, other than that, my brother, I love chatting with you. Let's get after it again very soon, man. I would like to come on your, your show and you and Jersey Vern and, and get after it. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, man. I'll be cooking tonight after Vince, you know, going on with the game and everything. So um, uh, jump in the chat room, man. I got I got Golden State tonight. I got yes, Golden sir. State, All I right. say, by six points. Okay, brother. All right, well, John Fisher again, thanks for dropping in, brother. You have a good night. Peace, fellas. Y'all too, man. Good show. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only John Fisher cooking with the microwave, joining us here on Sports Done Right. Well, Reg, man, a little wound up tonight, brother. (laughs) Everybody comes out when my Cavs start playing and and winning, but I I love everybody, man. I love when people hop on and, and chat with me and you know, I ain't going to give an inch, but I try to present facts. Well, in case I, if I missed it earlier, a couple of folks in the chat room, I want to give a shout out to Jarvis. Jay is in the house, part of the Minnesota Mafia, Big Jarvis. And did we announce Mrs. Sluggo up in here earlier? I, I did, yep. Okay, did. good, good. Just wanted to make sure we got all the ladies covered here, of course. So, again, we got the hybrid show, as we're calling it. You got... Sports done right. The sports and more co-host Reggie Lawrence said, "Mouth is set afire here." Anytime you try and talk about his uh, lowly Cleveland Cavaliers or just Cleveland in general, of course I'd be a little sad and pissed off too <laughs> if I was from Cleveland. But hey, that's just the sports gov of the great state of Minnesota, with the worst baseball team, by the way, in Major League Baseball. <laughs> did, did we make a wager on that or no? I no, we did. man, I ain't put no money on the Twins. I thought we had Crazy. like a six pack, the Twins and the Indians. 
not even close. And by the way, I got to give it up for uh, the love of my life, the one and only First Lady of Minnesota Sports. Angie Wright is up in here. What's going on? Hey, Angie. How you doing? How you doing? I love me some Angie. Yeah, you know, you better behave, Vince, because every time you and I get together, something happens, you just go off the chain, and then Angie ends up being like, yo, no, no loving tonight. You on the couch. So let, let's All try right. to keep you out of trouble. Okay, let's do that, by the way. And again, Angie's uh, she went on a little run tonight. I hope everything went well for her. And she is going to get her butt kicked on the golf course. But what else is going on, man, in the world of sports? We got all kinds of stuff going down, Reg. You know, like I said, uh, the the lack of center play in the uh, NBA today and obviously in the playoffs here is really just something that's kind of blowing me away. Again, you know, Andrew Bogut. How in the hell does Andrew Bogut get two points, Reg? Oh, you know, that dude, if you notice, he tends to fade in and fade out. Like, sometimes he could be a beast, and then there's other times he's he's just nowhere to be found. And I just find that very interesting. But it is how Andrew Bogus' career has gone, remember? And they would call him Andrew Bogus. So I don't understand either how a center can be out there and only get you two points. Totally agree with you. Yeah, so it's just something, I, again, it really disappoints me here. As I grew up, obviously, in the golden age watching, you know, Moses Malone, Robert Parrish. I mean, Kareem, all kinds of stuff. So all kinds of things going down there. What's you know, what I wanted to ask you. Um, what's that, sir? You know what's picking up steam, right? It's that Conor McGregor Mayweather situation. Have you been hearing about that? That's Yeah, man, I've been hearing about it. And the Gov ain't buying it. I, I, look, man, I know the money might be there. But if you're Floyd, you first off, if it's a straight up boxing match dollars, man, this dude ain't gonna. He has no chance, no chance. Now, I guess maybe if I look at it that way, homeboy, it is easy money for Floyd because man, Floyd I, ain't gonna do any MMA with this guy. <laughs> no, no, and that would be stupid. But if they can make, I mean, a hundred and some million, or you know, or and, and McGregor makes seventy. I would do it if Floyd, you know, if I was Floyd, I'd whip his ass for two or three rounds. I mean, seriously, I'm with you. Um, I'm trying to figure out, would you buy it? Would you buy the fight if it was like $49.99? It would have to be something low by today's <laughs> prices. There is no way I'd probably pay more than 40 bucks for that thing. I mean, $49.95, you're pushing the Gov's budget here. I got to be careful with the, the sports money up here in Minnesota. But, man, that's about maybe the most I'd do it. And, yeah, maybe just make a little party out of it. But come on, man. Floyd would kill this dude. And if he ain't going to do any MMA with it, McGregor has no shot. Now, here's why I would probably buy this fight. Because I got conned out of paying money for that damn Manny Pacquiao fight. And it was. Wow. You <laughs> yeah. paid money, man? I did. You got Full the price, fuck bro. Out, and the HD price, like an extra $10. You got Wow, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but I would buy this fight because I think that Conor McGregor is just dumb and cocky enough to just go full blow, you know what I'm saying, and come after uh, come after Floyd. So I, I, I'd pay to see it. I mean, not like a lot, but I'd pay to see it for sure. I, and I, like I just said, I would pay a, a very low amount to see it as well. Anything north of 50 bucks. Obviously, the Gov doesn't condone any piracy issues, 
But, you know, there's other ways to go about <laughs> seeing this thing, man. If, if, you, if they want to come out here and try and charge you a C note or something, uh, no, uh-uh, don't do it. Don't do it. But I don't even see this thing being made. I think he comes back and fights some other boxer that they can build up, Reggie, yeah. for him to go 50-0, and and then he re-retires. Well, he better not mess around with Triple G. He better fight somebody that'll be competitive but not a lot of power. I mean, he is getting 40, right? He's 40? 41, something like that? Yeah, he's approaching 40. So, I think he's 39, yeah, somewhere up in there. And, but I'm not you know, paying money he, for that. Right, right. And the other thing is with Floyd, man, now if, he, if he's held on to his money correctly, he's got more than he needs. But, again, this could be some easy money for him. Anything that involves MMA, though, Floyd ain't going to do it, as I said. So uh, no. that's what I see happening with Floyd. Now, out here in the chat room, we were talking about a little baseball earlier in the Twins. I guess, as Bama Boy put it, the Twins are one game better than the lowly Atlanta Braves there. So it's, it's just going to be a long, long summer in the Twin Cities, man. Well, I, what I noticed, though, when I was looking at your roster, I thought I knew a lot of the players. But honestly, when I watch, look at that Twins roster, you guys got a lot of young players on that team. Um, unless I'm inaccurate, but... You know. Yeah, and what's going on with the Twins, and again, for all the local folks that are listening to Sports Done Right tonight here on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network, as well as Spreaker.com. The Twins, they their pitching sucks. Their pitching can't go past roughly three innings, Reggie. Nobody can hit the baseball. Uh, strikeouts galore. Yeah. And with that, you're not going to win. And the only player that was above 300, the mighty Joe Maurer, is not mighty anymore. He's he's dipped to about 260, somewhere in that neighborhood. So it is uh, going to be fire sale here. And the big thing is, apparently, as of now, Joe Maurer will not waive his no-trade clause. So Twins going to be stuck with him. Well, he's a Minnesota kid, you know, and he, he's well, been with that yeah. franchise, right? And so, if it's one thing here, Stu Nation, Stewart Media and Entertainment folks, if, if you were born in Minnesota, if you grew up in Minnesota, the people up here will love you to the end of time up here. So that's the other thing as well, Reg. And, you know, even to this day, a lot of people, Joe Maurer can do no wrong. Yeah. Um, your lovely wife have said the twins don't have a chance. According to my 95 year old grandmother, she said they have too many errors. <laughs> yeah. Angie's grandmother, uh, wonderful grandmother, Paul. She is a huge twins fan, still alive and kicking at 95 years That's young. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. We love her and she is doing her thing, man, but she is a huge Minnesota twins fan. She watches the games just about every day. And she knows what she's talking about. So if that's what she said, take Grandma Paul for for what she says, man, because she she knows her team. Well, it looks like the division is coming back to to the pack. So I think Cleveland was only what two and a half, two games out mm-hmm. from the White Sox. Remember, they got off to that super hot start, and they're starting to come back to the pack. So it should be All interesting. Right. Well, folks, let's do this here. We're going to take a very very quick break in about ten minutes or so. We're going to have our very special guest. Togo Coles is on here. He's the principal owner of the Selma Toros baseball team. This is a team that works with African-American players, kind of helps them advance their careers. Independent team down in Selma, Alabama. And he is going to tell us a lot about how he operates the team. He is the principal owner, as we said. And, and basically, you're going to get the whole story about how he started, where he wants this to go. 
and the future of his organization. So let's do this. We'll take a break here for a couple quick minutes, run some uh, ads, pay the bills, as the people in the business would say, and we will be right no tricks in 86 is time to build check out the doug stewart show monday through friday from 10 a.m to 12 p.m eastern time right here on the stewart media and entertainment network it's sports talk it's guy talk it's fun talk once again that's the doug stewart show one half of the world famous two live stews doug stewart monday through friday 10 a.m to 12 p.m eastern time at stewart media and entertainment.com trust me You'll have more fun than you can shake a stick at. And I got one question for you. Are you not entertained, huh? Number one chief rocket jersey firm. Lonely Hearts Cafe. Spicy conversations. It's Vince Wright, the sports governor from Minnesota. Man, Jelly Young. Microwave! Reggie Long, a.k.a. Dollars and Cents. Kicking it with you. Let's go give it to you. It's beach body season. So if you're looking to get that beach body, there's still time. With IASOT, the IASOT is a unique blend of nine all-natural herbs. Just eight ounces of tea twice daily can provide you with dramatic results and have you beach ready in no time. Place your order today at www.totallifechanges.com forward slash tea team. That's www.totallifechanges.com forward slash T-E-A-T-E-A-M or call Six seven eight two five zero five eight three nine. That's six seven eight two five zero five eight three nine. Start working on your beach body today. The people have spoken, and no matter how it goes down, your sports talk it's gonna be all right. So forget the GOP, the DNC. The only party in town is at the governor's mansion. The governor of sports talk that is every Tuesday night right here on Speaker. Come on over and get your sports done right. Now let's get back to the show with the big, smooth, Vince Wright. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Sports done right. The sports governor, Vince Wright. Thank you for tuning in tonight. It's a special kind of hybrid show. We got Reggie Lawrence joining us. He is the co-host of the Sports and More show. Love that little drop of the Walking Dead here. All right, we are back. Yes, the great series indeed. And in about a couple moments here, we are we got uh, Togo Coles on the line, and he's going to tell you about the Selma Toros, and we're going to talk black participation in the sport of baseball, where it's going, where it's been, and what we can expect here coming up in the future. But I found an interesting little story today. Now, I know there's a lot of Pawn Star fans out there, and it's been an interesting day because I guess one of the stars of Palm Stars, Chumley, also known as Austin Lee Russell, uh, took a plea deal today, Reggie. So let me just read from the story here. This comes from the USA Today. Uh, Austin Lee Russell, known as Chumley on Pawn Stars, was in court Monday. Again, uh, his lawyer confirmed the popular reality TV star pled guilty to a felony weapons charge 
unlawful possession of a firearm and to a gross misdemeanor of attempted drug possession. And um, he was facing, he's going to get a deal that's going to give him three years probation and counseling, Reg. So Mm. now if that was me or you on a felony charge, I don't know if we would have got such a sweetheart deal, but if he stays out of trouble until 2019, the felony charge will be dismissed and Russell will be left with only a misdemeanor court conviction on his record. So uh, Chumley's 33 years old. He was arrested after a police search of his home on a warrant stemming from a sex assault case. No charges were filed in connection with that case. And he Russell was cleared in that case, by the way. So we got to make sure we get that out there. So, yeah, fun world, man. Reality TV, Reg. Yeah, you said you don't know if we wouldn't have gotten in trouble. I'll, oh, I'll no, answer. no, yeah, yeah. I'll answer for you. <laughs> Hell to the yeah, we would have gotten in trouble. Yeah. There, there would be no plea bargaining. And even if we got a plea bargain, it would yeah. consist of some sort of jail time for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And oh, by the way, we got to give it up for someone very special in here, Reggie. And that is the lovely Carla has joined us. Uh, that is Reggie's girlfriend. What's up, Re- or, um, Carla? How you doing? <laughs> Carla is a diehard Michigan fan, everybody. And so we, we have our battles. She loves Michigan and I love Ohio State. So love her dearly. All right. Well, welcome to the chat. Welcome to the fam, Carla. And besides when they play Minnesota, Go Big Blue. (laughs) All right. Well, folks, we have our guest on the line here, so let's just get right to it because this is going to be a very, very interesting topic. Uh, He is – his name is Togo Coles, like I said, principal owner of the Selma Toro. So, uh, Togo, welcome aboard. Sports done right. How are you, sir? Good evening, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, Togo. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you uh, coming in and giving us some helpful insight, firsthand knowledge you know, uh, regarding our topic for tonight. I'll try my best, and I thank you guys for bringing it up. It's not, uh, you know, we don't get to talk baseball often, so uh, let's 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 do it. Absolutely. And, folks, again, Togo, by the way, host of the Lonely Hearts Club, another show on the SME, Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. So just wanted to get that in there. But let me start with the first question, uh, Togo. Just basically – you know, just give the people kind of a backdrop of who you are and just kind of how you got started in, in baseball and, and actually baseball ownership. Okay. Um, Togo Coles. Um, I grew up in Milwaukee, uh, but Selma is almost also my home where my family is based. And, you know, in, in my college years, I would see guys play summer league baseball. And I knew in Selma um, there was a 1,500-seat ballpark, block park, that was uh, back in the day a spring training home of the Chicago Cubs. It's a 1950s area era stadium ballpark with a grandstand and everything. Um, I knew that ballpark was empty, so I, at the age of 24, um, back in let's see, back around um, 2002, acquired the franchise rights in a local semi-pro league, and knowing that the town with the population of 30,000 was too small to support professional ball, I, I adopted the model of having a summer college league team in the city. Um, so I ran the, the team for about four years, then went to Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin for grad school at Concordia and Mequon. And then while there, I shadowed the Madison Mallards, who play in the Northwoods Leagues, okay. and then also the Lakeshore Chinooks. Um, 
The Northwoods League is one of the premier summer league te- summer leagues, along with the Cape Cod League, etc., um, where they use wooden bats mm-hmm. uh, for, for right, college right. players. So there are teams in Minnesota, um, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, Kalamazoo, I think, has a team or used to have a team, mm-hmm. and then also um, uh, Michigan, the UP, also, and Rockford just got a team not too long yeah. ago. So they're they're all over and, and big in the Northwest in the Midwest, I should say, and what we tried to do was shadow them and follow that model and put that model in Alabama and, and present an opportunity for African-American tennis players to be seen. We do not discriminate. We are an integrated team. Um, we play Spanish music during our game. We certainly nice. have Caucasian players, everything. Awesome. From a marketing standpoint, we market it in the same way that uh, Latin American baseball is with music, and the games in between innings games. Um, because, quite honestly, if you go to a major league game, it can be kind of boring. <laughs> but if you go to a minor league game or a summer college league game, that's where all the fun is. So we market it a bit differently, and we certainly um, market to our, our population, which is 80% African-American in Selma, Alabama. So, Togo, did you grow up playing baseball? And, and, and if so, how far did you get? I played. It's a very good question. I play, and I have some of my players listening too, so this is good for them. Excellent. I played little league ball, and when I got to high school, I went to I'm Lutheran. I went to Milwaukee Lutheran High School in Milwaukee, and the athletic department was very aggressive in getting scholarships for the athletes. And we we certainly sat down with the athletic director and the coaches, and I played tennis and baseball at the same time. Nice. And oh, there um, you go. And I was a all-star in baseball and was on the Brewers, um, kind of like the, their select Little League team that they sponsored. However, we looked at the scholarship numbers. And as an African-American playing tennis, I would stick out like a sore thumb and the scholarship mm-hmm. opportunities would present themselves. So that's the path that I, I chose to go. Yeah. No, very, very good point. Um, the team in Kalamazoo, I think my, my girlfriend said that, Kalamazoo Growlers is the team. Okay. Um, and I, I kind of, similar, I grew up um, in Cleveland Heights, which is a suburb of Cleveland. So um, same type of background. I, I couldn't play tennis, but I played soccer, and then I played baseball. But um, at, at that point, uh, what was the percentage of um, African Americans, say, on your high school baseball team, Togo? Now, at, at Milwaukee Lutheran, um I would say we probably had maybe six or eight. But in the Little Leagues, in the Little League All-Star, the, the summer select program, I would say we were about 40%. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very, and that's very interesting that you mentioned that because as I came up also playing baseball, Togo, uh, I played park board here in Minneapolis. That's kind of what we did if you live within the city of Minneapolis, park board. Went on did little Babe Ruth as a teenager. And that's the one thing I noticed the teams I played on literally 40 to 50, in some cases, one team up to about 60% African-American. And I grew up, you know, in a predominantly white area at the time as well. So it is just amazing where we've been to where we are today. And I have some theories, you know, having, having not played in the college years or um, minor league years, Having not played, I don't know firsthand, but being on the administrative side 
and networking with GMs, networking with um, summer league teams and college coaches and college programs, I have theories on what happens after players get to that level. Right, right. We'll, de- we'll definitely hit on that. I just wanted to throw up some interesting stats here. So in 1986, the big league rosters, there were basically 19% African-Americans. Uh, when the 2014 season opened, 59 of 750 players, just 7.8% were African-American. And as of this April, the number um, is at 60 out of 750 players, which is basically 8% of the Major League Baseball is made up of African-American players. Is that something you see in, in, in like the, the high school kids now and even in maybe the colleges or, your, or, or the league that you're in? besides your particular team? Yes, definitely at the high school level. Um, And then even at the college level, we primarily recruit the historically black colleges in the South. So what we are looking at is um, Georgia, Alabama, Florida Panhandle, and um, Mississippi, Uh, primarily Mississippi Valley State, Jackson State, um, Alabama State, we, those Division One levels, we we don't get those players. Mm-hmm. We are getting the we're looking at the Division Two and, and small college players. Um, we, Alabama State just went undefeated in the SWAC and won the conference. But what, yeah, to, to answer so. your question, what what's happening in historically black college baseball is Latino players are coming in, and even more so. Caucasian players, yeah, because the Caucasian players can go to a black college mm-hmm. and get a minority scholarship. Mm-hmm. So they're not, they're not taking money from the athletic budget; they're getting minority scholarships at historically black colleges. And folks, this is Vince Wright, sports governor. We are very fortunate to be joined by Togo Coles, principal owner of the Selma Toros, tonight here on Sports Done Right on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. Togo, I have a question for you, my friend. Uh, yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit, who are the Selma Toros? Introduce our, our listeners to your team. The Selma Toros are a group of exceptional young men, student athletes. Uh, we play in the Central Alabama Amateur Baseball League. Um, it is a semi-pro league, but again, our model is a summer college league team because we're trying to get exposure for our student athletes and opportunities for them. Uh, we, right, right. Our roster size is 35 players. And we reserve, we made the decision to reserve six spots for high school all-stars. Ironically, from the city of Selma, we only have one player. We have about five players from Mobile, Alabama. We have uh, about four or five from the Millbrook area, which is on the other side of Montgomery. Um, we, we get players from all over the state of Alabama and occasionally um, from Mississippi. Uh, but they're players who are student athletes. They go to Selma University, Concordia College, Bishop State, University of Mobile, and what we're doing is we put together portfolios for the um, college student athletes, and we send those portfolios to scouts. We also give them information about um, professional tryout opportunities, and then we also send their statistics to their coaches so their coaches know that they are working out during the summer and keeping and, and for continuing to progress. The high school student athletes, we push them to get scholarships. So either through new exposure opportunities or 
through networking with the college student athletes who then go back to their schools and tell their coaches about the high schoolers on the roster. Very interesting. Go ahead, Reg. Yeah, the first thing I want to say is, you know, a, a big props to you. Um, that's awesome. For one, being African-American and, and going into a business that is predominantly, you know, white and doing what you're doing for the African-American community, students, as well as, you know, other uh, different ethnic groups. So really cool and um, very impressed. And I promise Carl and I was going to get down there and check out a game very soon once we kind of figure out our schedule. Um, the question I had, it's, it's a two-part question. So I don't know. I'm sure, like me, I was really, really excited about the Chicago Little League team. Yeah. Um, what What's your thoughts on that whole situation regarding the zoning and things like that? Is that something that you think that they all do? Or, you know, do you kind of, do you think that, how the team was treated was a little unfair or was kind of shady or, you know, what are your views on that? Um, you know, it's been a long time since I've been directly involved in Little League Baseball. But what I will say from my experience when I played, they, we all did it. Okay. We did it. And when it comes to then, and that's what I was going to say, I, back when I said I have my theories on what happens, if you look at a little league, it's very competitive, first of all. But if you look at a little league system, um, and again, I cannot speak from—I'm not speaking from firsthand—but just from observation, if you look at the little league system, you have teams from different areas, different communities playing against each other. Um, then what happens is, when they get to the playoffs, which they're in now, mm-hmm. they then some elect, some decide to let the champions represent that league or they put together an all-star team. Okay, from my experience and my observation, that's when it gets political, and that's when your African-American players tend to get shut out because it becomes who the coaches select as favorites combined with ability. The coaches want to win, but then you only got a certain number of roster spots. So at that point, if you're an African-American player, and maybe you have an attitude problem or you're not the easiest person to get along with or your cultural issues, you don't have the financing, you don't have the look, you don't have your uniforms, your mom's not there on time, your parents are invisible advocating for you, you can get shut out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I find that, like I say, I find that in, in the, the 10 you that I, I'm uh, coaching right now, and you can ask Carla, I'm going through so much drama and political and ego at, at 10 years old, and this is, it's unbelievable, Togo, like just the type of crap that I'm dealing with at 10 year old, you know, with the parents and whatnot. But Vince had his uh, next question for you. And when, when, let me jump in and say one more thing, yeah. too. Go right um, ahead. The, I, did a, I did a test broadcast at a Little League game here uh, last week. It was actually at the field, the site where Doc Gooden and Gary Sheffield, the Little League association that they came out of, so the fields are named after them, et cetera. I overheard a conversation between parents concerning zoning and how the school zone determines where the kids can play, but there were coaches telling the parent how to circumvent that process. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear the details. They were whispering, mm-hmm. but that's what the conversation was about. So it, it happens. Hey, Togo again, sports governor here talking to you. And I had a question. You know, I've seen a lot of kids coming up and trying to earn scholarships at, you know, a plethora of different sports. What is it like, do you, you know, working with their parents in this process, do you 
come across parents that are more, you know, for lack of a better term, maybe bitchy about their kids? Uh, you know, what are you seeing out there from baseball parents? Um, I see the good and bad, and I see the bitchiness as good and bad. I'll give you an example. Um, because of graduation, you know, with NCAA being NCAA compliant, we are not allowed to touch the student athletes until their last class. So we're already three weeks into our season. So we had to search for a catcher to fill in um, while our normal catcher was going through graduation ceremonies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the parent of the catcher who filled in, um, I'm not going to name him, I'm not going to name the, the parent, but his college coach referred him to us, which was wonderful, and some of the players knew him too, so we were all working on the same catcher. He came down, then um, we, we, after the, the, the play was, was done, you know, the, as far as workouts and everything, his father pulled him away. So you have those parents who don't want players to get injured, and I can understand that. But at the same time, you have the parents who yell at coaches or think they can out-coach. I see, I've seen play, coach, parents who yell through the fence while their kid's in the batter's box, um, and that's going too far. Uh, you've got to let the coaches coach. You've got to let the players play. But you, you definitely need, particularly in baseball mm-hmm. and any sport, for that matter where it gets political, you definitely need that parent who is learned in the process and that know, knows how to help uh, navigate the process of marketing their child in a healthy way and, um, and helping them get that scholarship or get that exposure or get that notification of the scouts. Because when a, once a player is drafted, particularly out of high school, the major league team retains the rights to them but then what happens in year two if the player doesn't progress? The, the major league team or club may not retain the rights. So someone has to um, maintain that connection and communication with the scout and say, okay, my child is doing this. Um, you know, because it's not always – the child doesn't always – the student athlete doesn't always know what to do or how to communicate. So there needs to be some mentoring. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. the parent right. can help. There's that gap. Absolutely. Uh, go ahead, Reg. I know you had another question. Well, yeah, let me read a couple of – we'll just read a few chats yeah. here. And let, me, and let me say this, too, because the thing that we're missing here and we haven't touched on is with that 8% number of African Americans on Major League roster, right. yeah, the, RBA, the I, RBI program is not working. Right. The RBI program is a joke. So there has to be another way. Because what happens is if you if you say there's minority facilities in regionally in the country through the RBI program, and you put all the kids in one place and you produce uh, two or three a year, I mean right. you could say the cream is rising to the top, but what's your goal? What are you doing? You know. So let's see here. Three three four. Bama boy said, "Coaches, sons, and friends. I know I was a victim a few times playing in the Dixie Youth Majors." Jersey Vern said all the time they should stay out of the game. So I, I agree. Well, let with me you. talk about the let me talk about the Dixie Youth because three three four Bama is from our region, our oh, market good. where our, our team and our leagues are. He's familiar with it. So the Dixie Youth is a term that is different than Little League. Uh-huh. And here we have Little League. You know everybody's familiar pretty much nationally with Little League baseball, and they go to the Little League World Series in Williamsport. Yeah. Well, the South was segregated. So the Caucasians didn't want their kids playing with an 
African-Americans in an integrated Little League. So they mm-hmm. formed their own Little League that they called Dixie Youth Baseball. So the white oh, kids played in a segregated league called Dixie Youth, which still exists today, but it is integrated now. So that's, that's the difference in the term. Wow. Thank you. Very yeah. interesting. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, Togo. And again, this is Sports Done Right on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. Because I put a story from the USA Today uh, kind of, you know, previewing your appearance on the show tonight from uh, Nancy Haggerty. From uh, It's called Youth to Majors, Fewer African-Americans Are Playing Baseball, and they touch on the RBI program up in Mount Vernon, New York. So it's very interesting that you talk about that because in the story they talk about having issues with that program, and even with it in place, they're still coming up short on funds. That's right. So it's a, it's a question of how long will Major League fund these programs. And I've talked to, I'm being down here in Tampa and in Florida, I talked to minor league players a lot, and then major league players. One person I talk to regularly is Fred McGriff, and we talk about how um, something can happen. So so a kid gets drafted, he goes into the minor league system, which you've got rookie ball, single A, double A, triple A, and if at any point he pisses off a coach or rubs a GM the wrong way, he's stuck. They're not going to promote him. Then at the major league level, you may have a great player who – you know, he's got that positional lock. So are you going to be a career minor leaguer? Are they going to trade you? Are they just going to keep you there? So there's a lot of stuff that can go on even at the pro level. Um, so another thing that we do, we form partnerships with teams offshore. There's a league, especially with the promotion of um, the World Series of Baseball uh-huh. um, that Major League is supporting. Um, if you look on our our social media pages, we have regular communication with um, the league that is developing in India, uh, Pakistan, Iran. <laughs> These are places that you might not think of, and our players a lot of times are afraid to go. My wife won't even let me travel. But, um, it's not a good you, idea, you, brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Australia is one that's a good one, a positive one. But I, I go down every, every winter to Mexico, mm-hmm. and then also to recently I've been going to Cuba, and we have a um, relationship with the Cuban Baseball Federation also. So there are opportunities, particularly if you go, I will tell you this, and I would love for you guys to go with me. If you go to any um, Mexican baseball league team game between October and December, you will see three to five African-Americans on each team's roster. Hey, Togo, let's do this. Let's take a very quick break here, and let's come back to that point because I want to touch on – you know, Mexican baseball and, and your trips to Cuba as well. And just kind of mm-hmm. give us a little, you know, input about what's going on there, and especially with Cuba, you know, opening up here. So, folks, this is Sports Done Right on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. We've got my co-host, Dollars and Cents, and we are joined by Togo Coles, principal owner of the Selma Toros baseball team and also host of the Lonely Hearts Club. So we will be right back after this break. It's beach body season. So if you're looking to get that beach body, there's still time. With IASOT, the IASOT is a unique blend of nine all-natural herbs. Just eight ounces of tea twice daily can provide you with dramatic results and have you beach ready in no time. Place your order today at www.totalife.com. 
www.totallifechanges.com forward slash T-Team. That's www.totallifechanges.com forward slash T-E-A-T-E-A-M or call 678-250-5839. That's 678-250-5839. Start working on your beach body today. No tricks in 86, it's time to build. Check out the Doug Stewart Show Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. It's sports talk. It's guy talk. It's fun talk. Once again, that's the Doug Stewart Show. One half of the world-famous Two Live Stews, Doug Stewart. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time at StewartMediaAndEntertainment.com. Trust me. You'll have more fun than you can shake a stick at. And I got one question for you. Are you not entertained, huh? The number one cheap rocket jersey firm. Lonely Hearts Cafe. Spicy conversations. It's Vince Wright, the sports governor from Minnesota. Man, Jelly Young. Microwave! Reggie Long, a.k.a. Dollars and Cents. Kicking it with you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, give it to you. Coming to you live from the sports mansion here in the palatial estates here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hey, what's happening, everybody? We are back. Sports done right. Got my main co-host in the house from the Sports and More Show, Big Reg. Dollars and cents, Reggie Lawrence in the house. And we got our main man, Togo Coles, on the line. And we got a great discussion going on, talking about African Americans in baseball and the participation numbers have been down, as we know. So, Reggie, I know you had a question there for Togo, so I'll let you go at it, sir. Go right ahead. Yeah, I wanted to address the big elephant in the room and kind of, you know, the root of of our talk today. And the question I have for Togo is, in his opinion, why do we have such a low yearly uh, participation by African-Americans in the sport of baseball? And um, I know we had had a previous uh, person on the show say that he felt it was more racially motivated and for me i'm gonna just kind of give my opinion real quick as to why i disagree for one i grew up playing baseball i'm african-american and i'm 43 so i played what you're looking at 20 some years ago and even then i had no issues of actually getting into baseball no racial issues um and and even now as a coach i'm finding less and less african-american players and and in fact we actually go out of our way to really look for african-american players one because of just the athletic ability and and there's and the raw talent and raw ability um so for whatever reason i'm thinking that a lot of times and i'm reading some articles you got african-american kids are saying that right now baseball is just not very cool basketball is a cool thing to do um, I, I think that parents are also steering their children uh, children away from baseball 
again, because they're saying that, you know, it's just not what black kids do nowadays. And I would say another thing that I would say that I've noticed is that with baseball, it's more of a long-term situation getting to the pros, whereas basketball, I think kids, African-American kids, feel like that right now, right there, you know, I get to play. It's a faster track to the NBA when, in fact, it's, it's fool's goal. And I had some stats to back that up after I have uh, Mr. Togo, who's probably going to have more expertise in this than myself. If you wouldn't mind addressing that, Togo, that would be awesome. Okay, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, I definitely agree with you, but I think it's a combination of factors. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number one, it's, it's all about marketing, okay? Um, if you are, if you look on TV, you've got the, the shoes. First of all, the shoes and the, and the shoe companies pour a lot of money into Nike, you know, and then the jerseys. So if you are a kid growing up, you, you go to school and you see your classmates wearing, you know, the Jordans, et cetera, et cetera, they're wearing basketball player shoes. Yeah. You're not going to wear baseball players shoes in school. So that's one part of it. Another part of it is you can't play, you can't practice baseball by yourself. Right. If you go to a basketball court, you can shoot hoops by yourself, but you can't pitch to yourself. You can't take batting practice yourself unless you go to a cage or a facility and every community doesn't have those. Oh, hang on one second, Togo. Very good point. Well, real quick, when we were growing up, we played a game called wall ball. Now, it only took... I I did too. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) so did we... It only takes three, and, and you draw that box on the beside of a on building. On the garage. Okay. Yep. So, or on the building, yep. We called know. it strike it out, or strike them out in Chicago. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, so here's the thing with that. Yes. What kind of ball did we use? Tennis ball. Who's playing tennis? No, not black kids. <laughs> so where are the tennis balls these days? Uh, so that, well, so probably, that's out. No, they're at Dunham's. We, we would go to Dunham's or, or the sports so store saying, to get them. But, but I'm saying more people, more kids played tennis back in the day too so yeah. there are no tennis balls floating around right you're not you know no you're yeah, not gonna very good play point. wall ball okay all right okay point. the other thing too is i'll give the example of tampa um tampa's a hockey town if you come to tampa there's lightning gear year round everywhere the buccaneers suck and orlando's you know um Orlando's across uh, an hour's drive for NBA, and then George Steinbrenner's deal with Major League Baseball ensured that if Tampa ever got a team, it would not be located in the city limits. That's why the Rays are playing St. Pete, and that's why their attendance sucks, because nobody's driving way over to St. Pete to watch baseball. Okay, So um, that's a whole other story. So when, when the parents... Kids are growing up, and they take their kids to the hockey rinks or the ice rinks to play hockey. Like It's 90 degrees here right now. So the parents are sitting in air conditioning and everything. So baseball is a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour game. Parents don't want to sit out there in the heat and watch exactly. their kids practice. You know, baseball is I – mean, basketball, they're in a gymnasium. It's, it's a temp, controlled temperature. As far as football being a competition, if a, if – Parents or kids go to football games. There's a marching band there. There are cheerleaders there. If they go to a basketball game, there's a pep band. There are cheerleaders. If they go to a baseball game, nothing. 
Hey, and Togo again, this is the Gov. You have hit exactly on what was mainly my issue with my son's last year in baseball. I Like I said, I grew up playing baseball. I didn't have any issues with him playing. I, I loved the sport. But that last summer he played, it was literally 95 degrees, hot, humid, sticky, every, every night after work. The games are always at dusk. So up here in Minnesota, you know, the mosquitoes start coming out and eating you alive. You know what that's like being a Milwaukee yep. boy. Uh, so I agree with you, man. That that really made it very unbearable. And the next year when he came back and said he didn't want to play baseball anymore, I ain't going to lie. I didn't have any issue with it. Now, if you go to Mexico, Puerto Rico, yeah, let's talk Dominican Republic, Cuba, they've got they've got they've got pep bands in there. You go if you go to our social yeah. media page and watch some of our videos, you've got pep bands at the game. In Mexico, they actually market baseball games as the perfect place to go on a date. Okay, now hold because on, guys. I, I, I have to push back on you there, but okay. why is it then soccer games, which are two hours, no breaks, and even less action? Very little scoring. Why is that so popular? Two reasons. So I, I'm gonna okay. Two reasons. You've grown up with a generation of parents that grew up playing soccer themselves, and the second generation of soccer moms that took right. their kids to, to soccer games, and then also the dollars as far as corporate sponsorship dollars that were going into baseball a generation or two ago. That money is going to soccer now as they seek to develop major league soccer. It's a whole new market, a whole new opportunity. It's not chasing after old money. Well, but, well soccer, but, but, but soccer soccer, actually, when you think about it, it actually is the most played sport, and we're still one of the worst at it. But parents still spend a ton of money on travel soccer. And here's the thing. I, I will um, say this. If I had an opportunity now to uh, launch a soccer team or a baseball team, I would do soccer. Oh, just the, with the changing demographics, absolutely. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you're looking at a corporation or an industry, look at it as an industry from a business perspective, yeah. what you're going to put your money in behind, you're going to put the one that has the most growth. The NFL has eroded the popularity of baseball as a national pastime. So your growth is in something new or something, if you still think you can make some NFL money, some football money, but the football has the liability issues. But sure I'm gonna does. say I'm gonna say to me what's eroded baseball is that you have a you have a whole population of just very good athletes choosing not to play it. That's to me is what's eroded baseball. And the reason the stats I let me let me ask you guys this. I got a question for you here. Um, what do you think? What do you think is the? Um, give me your top three or four as far as. Which pro- which professional sport makes the most money? What would you say is number one, guys? As far as salaries, just players? yeah, players in general. Says so what sport baseball. makes professional athletes? What sports professional athlete makes the most money? Baseball. Exactly. What's number two? Would you say? Um, let me think. No idea. NBA. Okay. Soccer is three. NFL. NFL is okay. four. So and so now, when we look at the average major league baseball career is five point six years, the average NBA is four point eight, and then the average NFL is three point five. So if we go by that, okay, strictly looking from a dollar cent, there is a disconnect between African American parents 
and kids expressing that if you go by, if you're chasing the dollars, your child has much more opportunity to get a scholarship and to make it to the pros and to play longer and to make more money in baseball than you would in any of the other sports. So that to me is what's is what's crumbling baseball is that the the unfortunately the African American mother and father for the, whatever reason is not try, showing these kids that this is a better way to make more money. The other thing is that we're in a generation now, the AAU and travel ball generation, but before that, we had a window of about 10 to 15 years where you guys know that if you were a kid who played football in high school and baseball and got drafted by a baseball team, mm -hmm. you, you hit a gold mine. Because what you would do is you would play football in college and play baseball in the offseason mm -hmm. as a pro, make that money as a pro, and then if you were smart and had a savvy enough agent or your parents, you got a clause in your contract that you signed with the major league team so that at the end of your baseball career, they would pay your way through college. Hey, Togo, I just wanted to read a chat here by Bama Boy, 334 mm -hmm. Bama Boy. He says, I played baseball from the age of five all the way up to high school before I got hurt. I was the only African-American dude on the team. I dealt with plenty of racial situations while I played. Uh, you know, playing baseball down south, you know, we as we're talking, blacks don't really, you know, are, we're already having issues down to 7% on these teams. What is it like for, you know, being down south for the African-American baseball player? Good question. You, you hit the glass ceiling because you're dealing with the old boys network. So the coaches now either played minor league or played professionally or they have some connections. The scouts, it's, it's a whole network from the major league clubs to the minor, minor league owners, um, then the GMs and the scouts, it's an old boys network where everybody knows everyone. So if you're new coming up and you don't have someone advocating for you, if you don't have a coach who knows the scouts, right. you're not going anywhere. And that's a very good point. And before I toss it back over to Reggie here, that's exactly uh, one of the first off welcome. There is a couple guys that joined us, but Run CNC from Columbus. Just wanted to say what up to him real quick. The other thing, too, is, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, Togo, he talks about growing up in Columbus in the suburbs. He was one of the top 50 players in the state, but he was benched behind the booster's dad's kid. That's what I was saying where it got political. Yep. Remember what I was saying? When you get to the all-star level, you, you they go for the best, but then when they had those, I'd say about a third of the team is going to be um, the booster's kids or the coach's kid's son because – all it takes from a scout is that, or a scholarship, to get a scholarship, is to be in the right place at the right time. And if a, a booster or somebody who's sponsoring the team can have their, their child or someone that they know that's seen at that time, they're gonna get, their child's going to get that opportunity. So, yes, if you don't have someone advocating for you, it's not going to happen. And even now, with the change in the bats, the BB Corps bat, and they're not mm -hmm. using the rocket launcher bats anymore in amateur baseball. Um, the colleges are only recruiting players who are six foot tall and up because oh, the, the thought is unless you're a utility player because mm -hmm. the, th the theory is you don't have that power to get the ball out. So amateur baseball now is a lot of small ball. Yeah. But 
it's a lot of small ball because of the change in bats. But um, the theory is you still want to recruit bigger, taller players. Okay, so I just wanted to share something with you. I totally agree with you on that, on a lot of that. But now I've coached this, um, not this particular team, but we usually play against a, a, I like to call them, I live in Portage area, but then we, it's kind of more white to mix. And then we play against a team from Kalamazoo. Now, I coached this team that had a majority of minorities, and we got them young, and they were raw. But there's a, a two or three kids now that are getting scouted, and you know why? <clears throat> the, they have their athletic ability is just off the chart. Just and they can they're fast, they can run. So here's the thing: when I'm looking at uh, stats. High school senior pl- um, players eventually drafted by an NBA team, about 3 in 10,000, or 0.03%. That's in men's basketball. How about men's football? 0.9%. Baseball, 10.5%. So even by sheer numbers, and I get with what you're saying, Togo, again, I don't think, that, I think it's anything that when you deal with down south is going to be, to me, more racially um, le- unfriendly versus up north, but... If you look at it, you have a nine percent more, you know, better opportunity to get drafted in baseball coming out of high school or college, rather, than you would in basketball or football. So even if you are African American, again, I just think that a lot of this is African American parents, parents don't having a disconnect and not being able to explain to the kids this is your best chance to make as much money less injury on your body and there's way more baseball teams way more people on the rosters you know so that that's all I'm saying is I think conversely yeah go ahead sorry and, and to your point in Latin American countries the parents know this that's their kids way out and that's one reason why the baseball teams have put their academies in Dominican Republic, Venezuela, mm-hmm. Colombia, uh, because, you know, the, the parents know your kids are 12, 13, 14 year old, years old. They've got to get seen by the scouts, get into the academy. Um, here, our kids are playing basketball and football at that age. A, a scout identifies the players at 14, 15, because in baseball they can draft you in high school. So right. if you're a player that's thinking you're going to get seen by your junior or senior year in high school, you can forget about it. Hey, Togo. Unless you have an incredible growth spurt. Okay. And they've sorry, already I identified. Go I ahead. didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to ask you there. You know, one of the questions I wanted to get into is I know you've traveled around the Caribbean. You've dealt with the Afro-Caribbean uh, player, the Dominican player, players from all over there, and obviously the African-American baseball player. Now, I have heard over the years that, you know, there's been issues between Afro-American players and Afro-Caribbean players. While we may look very much the same, we obviously come from two different cultures and at that at times has clashed. Have you seen any evidence of that or or any issues on any of the teams you've been involved with? I I have not seen it, but I know it exists. Um, the... American players, white and black, tend to stick to themselves. Um, the Latino players, you know, stick to themselves. 
so there's still some um i don't want to say segregate segregation but there's still like uh i'll say let me see how i can put this i'll say there's uh ethnic pride mm-hmm. <laughs> sure that right. gets into it uh and, and everybody knows you know especially in those cultures in those environments it's about getting it's your job even at 14 or 15 it's your job it's your way to get get your family out of poverty and it's you against that other guy who's your competition and but the other thing particularly with cuba is we're looking at countries that view sports as pride and from a sports mentality it's them against the world them against the u.s them against the west and they're right. looking at yes. you, you've got to do what you've got to do to to be number one um so you know it's a whole it's a different mentality um have i seen fights or um challenges between amongst players no i haven't seen that but sure. i do know that the the players that i see uh the chris robersons and everything they they the african-american players that are down there they they hang with each other they do their own thing okay cool and the folk again folks sports done right tonight we got togo coles on the line principal owner of the selma toros got my co-host reggie lawrence also known as dollars and cents on the line and reggie before i get to you my friend i just wanted to read a quick chat here run cnc from columbus went on to say um over the nonsense that we were just talking about he still ended up getting a scholarship offer from the university of tennessee chattanooga but he ended up going to bowling green state university so it still worked out for him in the end yeah great program so um I think I was digging some facts here. I know a lot of times, um, you know, people tend to say things. And in some situations, we do have, you know, situations where it's racially motivated. But I was looking at AAU basketball, and and this article talks about how AAU is a money machine. And there was a talk about, you know, baseball costs too much money. So that's another reason why African-American kids don't play. But when you look at AAU, you can find yourself as a parent paying anywhere from 400 to $4,000 a summer. And, and that's uniforms, tournaments, things like that. But what's more striking and disappointing is that um, at minimum, the first event, say for a weekend, will net $88,000, okay? And all that's going is into these AAU pocket, the pro, you know, the, the managers or, or the, the coaches. The organizers, like yep. Yeah. So it's a it's a scam, you know what I mean. So let's not go there saying that you know uh, baseball is way too expensive. Um, the number no, one no because expense- the, the money's being spent somewhere. The, you yeah. know, the parents are going to spend the money on somewhere. If they're spending it on a hundred hundred fifty dollars shoes, or you know if they're going to spend the three thousand dollars, they're just spending it on basketball. Yeah, well, you got you got um, also lodging, you know, and, and things like that, travel. So um, my girlfriend had asked a question, and um, I wanted to ask you. She just said, you know, why is it that um, the cost is just skyrocketing with travel baseball, and why all of a sudden is it blowing, you know, Little Leagues out of the water, and it's basically going to make Little Leagues obsolete? You know, like you and I grew up, Little League was a bomb. You know, we played, you know, uh, what was it, uh, American Legion and and um, Connie Mack, and it's, it's now all travel. What's happened there? Because what's happening there is you have an opportunity to put together your all-star, your select team, and then you're taking that travel ball select team that you put together and taking them to be seen. 
whereas Little League, you have your group that's in a fixed location, and then you wait until the end of the summer in the playoffs to get your all-star team. If you have a AAU or a travel ball team, you have these kids, and basically they're playing year-round, and they're coming up in different age groups where they're working together from 10, 12, 14, 16. They stick together. So basically you've got a team that you've had for X number of years, and they're an elite team that you're competing nationally against other elite teams, hoping to get that exposure to find that one kid that gets that gets drafted. Very good point. And Togo, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, do you see any growth for the African-American kid playing baseball in terms of major college recruitment? And let me expand on that. Uh, the first lady's cousin actually is the head coach at the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith, and I hope to have him on here in the near future uh, to to talk about some of these issues as well and just kind of talk about his background. But have you seen any growth in terms of, of just black kids being offered scholarships to not even so much division one, but just maybe some, you know, division two, II, division three schools as well? Honestly, I have to say no. Um, oh, that was the, that was the answer I expected. Yeah. You know, we're not having more kids play. Unfortunately, now we do we are seeing the starting of uh, in our market in Alabama. We are seeing more kids, more high school programs start baseball programs. But the problem is, it's not a revenue generating sport on a high school level. True. So you have to have a coach or an athletic director director who's savvy to go after some sponsorship. And, and when you again, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Togo. And then again, it's how is the sport marketed? Um, you know, when you've got 10 people in the fans watching a game, you know, that's not, is it worth having a team from an athletic budget standpoint? Right. So, unfortunately, at a high school level, no. At a college level, no, because if you're a college coach, you're Latino or white, and you're, if you're looking at a, from a budgetary standpoint, you can get um, white kids in on minority scholarships. So it's not happening at a, at a college level. So the thing is, it then falls back on you've got to have an advocate, a coach, a parent who knows how to uh, network, network and get that child or those children through the system. You've got to get them the exposure. You've got to know what route they need to take, what path they need to take to get seen. Uh, when we, when you all had the guest on the other night, the young man from Michigan that's here with the Tampa Yankees, right, Ryan, who yeah. talked about the showcases. Well, I talked to Major League Baseball yesterday they no longer do the showcases. So just to talk about that a little bit real, real quickly, Major League Baseball Scouting Bureau is a centralized department that's under the offices of the commissioner. And for years they used to do showcases where they would have a location and have players come from all over a region, say they had it in Kalamazoo as an example, and scouts would be there and a group of players would come uh, work out and the scouts would then give a rating, and they would keep that database, and all the teams had access to that database. Well, yesterday when I called, because we had a, a, we always get players who call from different colleges, particularly African Americans, who say, "Can you help us find showcases?" I always get those calls. Well, I call after not finding the information on the internet. I call Major League Baseball, and they say we no longer do them. Uh, we need to change the website. But the individual teams are holding tryouts um, regionally and nationally. 
So the individual, individual teams have their own scouting departments, and they're doing that. But if you're a kid and you can't afford to go to Texas to a tryout, how are you going to get seen? You've got to right, have somebody exactly. who knows how to do it. You've got to have somebody who's putting it out of your portfolio and sending it to scouts. You've got to have somebody advocating on your behalf. And that's why we're glad you're here, Togo. I mean, you're doing big things here. And, folks, this is Sports Done Right. we got a few more minutes here with Togo Coles. He, again, the principal owner of the Selma Toros. Make sure you go check out the website, Google the team. He is doing some very interesting things. Um, Togo, real quick here, and I know Reggie has another question before we get you out of here. It's very funny. You know, you speak of, of high school and, and things of that nature. Now, one of the things that we're finding here in Minnesota is we've got a sport that has just grown by leaps and bounds up here, and that's cutting into not only baseball but a little bit of football as well, and that's lacrosse. You know, lacrosse has just taken off across this upper Midwest part of the country. Yes, New England also, where my wife is from. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So it hasn't hit the south yet, but uh, I, I, I I see it, you know, I see its growth also. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Reg. Yeah, it's it's gaining a ton of popularity. I mean, all all the high schools are playing it. But um, so I got a question again for you guys. Um, be curious to see what your thoughts are. What are the five most expensive sports for kids? I pulled this off the internet. What would you say number one is? I'd say number one is hockey. Exactly. Yep. With oh, a by far, yeah. Five hundred and nine hundred annually. What about number two? Number two, no idea. Horseback riding. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you're getting out there with those sports that need private coaches like that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Number three is football. Number four is skiing, and number five is gymnastics. So, well, you know, it's funny you mention hockey because my one of Angie's cousin's kids plays hockey. You know, he's ten years old, kind of a good player, up and coming. $600 $600 for the skates that this kid yep. got. Jeez. $600. Yep. Kids 10. Yeah. Hmm. Tampa's yeah. a hockey town, but that, I knew that statistic because I hear the parents talk about it. Yes, sir. So I definitely wanted to, you know, make sure you connect with Ryan. So I guess I would ask you, you know, Togo, what, what would be some advice that you would give me as a coach and, and to maybe somehow possibly just – help increase the participation of, of African-Americans and minorities to baseball or if I were to ever have a chance to talk to some kids or whatnot in, in like a local school like Benton you know, Harbor or Louis yeah. Norris. Where do we start, Togo? Yeah. I mean, obviously we're not going to figure this out tonight, but where is yep. a good place to start to get African-American kids Reinterested in baseballs. I remember growing up, man. We used to get nine on nine baseball games going like nobody's business. So here's the thing: the kids know the baseball stars in their city or in their market. The, the major, you know, the major league teams. If you ever get an opportunity to reach out to a major league player or um, minor league player, get them to come back. Get them to. Um, come to games, allow the kids to have a relationship with them and, and let them be more visible. Nice. Good call. Would, would you would you even also suggest, you know, like I have pull out the stats and, and explain to them the percentages kids of... Are very, kids are very intelligent and are busy, business savvy. 
So one thing that I, I used to talk to kids about um, was the whole economics behind Air Jordans, you know, and they, they ate that up. Okay, that's a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. So yeah. um, if you talk to them and give them the numbers, yep. you got to ask a kid what their goals are and what their dreams are. And then once you identify what their goals and their dreams are in life, if it's with sports or in life and business or whatever they want to do, show them how to get there, and then you work with them on the path to get there. Okay. Very okay. well said. So, Very well so, said. I mean, even with the Toros, we do it on an individual basis. My players will tell you, I tell them, do interviews. The interviews are not only for their exposure, but it's for me to pick their brains and learn about them. I've got a kid who is going to nursing school. That's fine. You know, I, I want to know what they're interested in. All right. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a kid who's an All-American. He was a preseason black college All-American. He's Caucasian, Kiefer Kilcrest, mm-hmm. um, third baseman. But we, so he needs to get that exposure. He needs to get seen by scouts. Um, so we look at the kids and we see what their goals are, what they're interested in. Uh, I have another young man, Malik, Malik Turner, who just graduated from high school, but he was in the marching band in high school. So he'd either look for academic, baseball, music scholarship, that kind of thing. So you find out what their interests are, and then you use all the tools possible to get them to where they want to go and help them understand that it's not just about sports, it's about life also. Hey, Vince, let me let me tell you guys a funny story real quick. Go right ahead. <clears throat> this is a funny baseball story. So back in the days, Togo, I'm sure you, you'll remember this, is back then they would have open tryouts for major league teams. And, and so I'm a 43, right? Yep. So I decided I was a senior in high school. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to try out for the Cleveland Indians. Now, this is when they they suck. But so I'm like, OK, I'm going to try out. It ought to be fun. So we get up there and, um, you know, they break us off into groups of five. And, you know, they, they had to throw in the ball from the fence and whatnot. So then they decided, OK, we're going to do the 40 yard dash or whatnot. So I'm thinking I got this beat. You know, I'm good to go. So they line us up. And, you know, it wasn't too many African-Americans there. But uh, so we get lined up and, you know, there's this white kid. Well, there's multiple ones. But my man says, go. And I was like, I got it. Next thing you know, this dude was floating. I thought I was fast. This white dude was super fast. And that was the first time just, you know, as a kid growing up. And I'm thinking, man, hold up, you know. Not all black people are, you know, the fastest on the planet, but it, it was a great, great learning lesson. And this dude was a five-tool player. But, you know, it was nice because I played against um, Ken Griffey Jr. and growing up and, and things like that. So I, I miss those days, and I'm, I'm hoping we can get back to that. And, and like you said, I think it is going to be, you know, a situation where I'm going to work hard to get more parents involved as well as the kids. So thank you for uh, sharing your your knowledge. It was hey, very, and very you know what? Hey, Togo, you know why I like baseball? Why is it? Because it gives a brother like Reggie, five foot three, a chance <laughs> to pull an opportunity. It gives That's him right. an opportunity, sir. That's right. And then let me say a couple things real quickly. I know you you all show, but let me say a couple things real quickly. Sure. Reggie, the story that you just told, I told my players earlier today because we were going over this situation with showcases and i told them i said if you all have the opportunity to participate in a tryout do it even if you're not a five tool player 
you do it for the reasons that you just said, Reggie, because you have that story to tell. And if it's not for you, it's for some kid that's coming up behind you, some kid that's coming up in the high school program that you went to, so they know what the process is, what drills are going to be run. It's for the exposure. So that's, I'm glad you, you told that story because it's exactly the scenario that I told them earlier today. And then the other thing, the other thing, Vince, with you saying as far as opportunities, we had a unique situation about three years ago. There was a young man who was a uh, Iraq War veteran. He was active duty and he was wounded, and he came back to the stateside in the Wounded Warrior Program. He was based in Columbus, Georgia, um, or Columbus, Georgia. Yep, and he ended up playing with us and had to get we had to get permission from the military from the army to let him play with us so he was a part of the wound, wounded warrior program oh, to wow. help him transition back to college um because he was a baseball player oh, so very cool. you know the opportunities are there so it's a lot of fun a lot of fun everybody has a story hey absolutely now reg did you have any other questions for togo no, that's it. I, I'll be down there very soon to uh, check yeah, the place out. Yeah, so. I'm going to try and get down there, too, because i got family down in Mobile as very well. Good. But, Togo, again, at first I, I wanted to thank you for uh, popping on here, man, and, and joining us on Sports Done Right slash the Sports and More show tonight. Uh, very interesting stuff. And, man, let's kind of, you know, touch base down the road. And I think, you know, being an African-American man, you know, doing your thing and the ownership. I mean, not just working in baseball, but to actually own this team and to do what you're doing is, is rather unique. And, and just keep doing it, man. Very impressed. And props to my other investors, too. There are about uh, eight or nine other investors from oh, Milwaukee, okay, okay. Houston, Texas, cool. all over the country that have partnered with me on this. So um, I definitely give a shout-out and appreciation to them as well. And we also, we'd like to get them on maybe, you know, I mean, obviously talk business and, and maybe – kind of find out why they decided to get involved. So that'd be nice. Indeed. Indeed. Excellent. All right. Well, Togo, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. We'll touch base. And also, folks, make sure you go to xsquadaffiliates.com and check out Togo, a.k.a. Mr. Christopher Tracy, on the Lonely Hearts Club as well. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care there, Togo. All right. Later. All right, Togo, Uganda. Reggie, good job, man. You too, Vince. I appreciate it, man. Looks like, you know, getting better and better. Fine oil machine here. Um, love our, our, our guests we've been able to bring on. So Absolutely, and the lovely, spicy conversations. Enjoyed the call, says awesome call. And Spicy, you are you awesome are as well. Sluggo said dollars. You brought your A game with the right stats. Thank you, sir. And I have them all here. If anybody would like me to send them a copy of where I got it from. Very uh, interesting info. Yeah, and again, folks, make sure you Google the Selma Toros. I, I, I just say Google because I, I don't have the website up just yet, so I don't want to give any false uh, website information there. But all you got to do, Google Selma Toros. It's all on the webpage, the ownership group. Very interesting. And again, to see African-Americans owning a baseball team at any level is is very impressive and something that we wanted to share with the people tonight reg and i'm glad we could get togo on and togo thank you for taking some time out of your very very busy schedule to join us hey uh togo you know I, i'm actually going to yeah there it is right there uh selmatoros.com i'm gonna order some gear i'm gonna start rocking some gear um i'd like to put 
Togo in touch with, there's a couple of um, high school kids, like I said, that I coached and uh, African-American kids that are very, very good. So I'm going to get right. uh, your Yeah, info the gear looks along. good. Yeah. 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 And, there, and by the way, folks, if you do want gear, hats, all that stuff, it is on the website. And we do have another call here before we get out of here tonight. Is this the one and only? Yes, it is. It's the number one Chiefs rocker, Jerry Vern, Bone Shaka Rocker. The theme song is playing, people. This is the one and only number one Chief Rocker, Jersey Vern. What's going down, sir? Man, I'm just sitting up here watching Okie. Hello? <laughs> did we lose the chief rocker uh, i i think we did sir oh we must have we must have chief rocker you there well he's still showing up on the board is on here but maybe not <laughs> okay i thought he wanted to get after me because remember he had said earlier in the day um he had some beef with me so i was uh, looking forward to that or he said well, he had something to come back exactly and let's see here chief rocker if you want try calling us back here as we're gonna we can go about maybe another five minutes here take a couple questions from you if you call right back in chief rocker we do got to make way for cooking with the microwave we don't want to step on uh too much of their time there but folks again vince wright reggie lawrence sports done right slash sports and more doing a little hybrid show on the Stewart media and entertainment network hey hey, Vince hey Reg man I'm so glad we were able to have him on yeah very very insightful I learned quite a bit Mm. all right okay hold Uh, on here I think we got Jersey coming back to us Chief Rock are you there yeah man it it ain't nothing but the you know, the garbage out there, you know, that don't want to hear the Chief tonight, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to say big up to Togo, even though he in the chat room trying to, you know, troll on somebody, but I'm um, big up to Togo. And I've seen how his operation run. I've seen, you know, the things he can do and all that. But I'm not going to give you no more big up. You keep out there trying to troll me. But anyway, I was about to say uh, OKC is putting a smack down on Golden State. And... For all you Golden State lovers, my partner from the bottom to the top, he's about to come on, uh, Patty K, Patty K, Microwave. What you going to say when you come on, Microwave? Bunch of excuses. You know, <laughs> that's all, a bunch of excuses, you know, and whatnot. You just have my apple, and when I go to the bomb shop, he better have my apples. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to have the Chief yeah. Rocker is going apple hunting. He wants his apples, people. Hey, Chief. So- uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rich. Well, I just had to ask Jersey because I'm sure he, he he was would back me up. Wasn't this the same fish that was lighting me up last year about how great Golden State was, and then this year he was talking about how how great they were and how they were going to roll through the playoffs. It was, right. it was the same Fisher. Now all of a sudden he's like, "That ain't my team." I mean, come on. Well, you know how that is, man. I told you those Lakers and Hawks fans they be all up over the map. You know what I'm saying? But when they team ain't there. They try to find a team that they want to ride high, you know, they're like, ride in the they be so low. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that was my, my way was backtracking on the, on the phone, man. And I was sitting in the chat room just spitting up water, man. You know what I'm saying? He was backtracking so much, you know. <laughs> hey, Chief, man, let me ask you this here. Um, you know, we talked about the New York Knicks. We talked about the New York Yankees. Man, 
what do you think about new now i know this is almost sacrilege here but i just something came up the other day when i was out in your town new york city a few years ago with my wonderful first lady there now i know this is a yankees town for obvious reasons jersey but i landed at LaGuardia and i wanted to get a mets cap for my kid right Right. I couldn't find one Mets cap in LaGuardia, the airport right next to the Mets stadium, by the way. Man, I couldn't find the Mets cap damn near anywhere in town. What is – here's my question for you. Are the Mets fans just leftover Dodgers fans? From from the day, uh, that, that's all. Yeah, that's all. You can't you leftover Dodgers and Giants fans. And Giants that's why the uniform. That's why the uniforms are royal blue, orange with a little black. But they got the two teams that left colors in them, you know. And the reason you couldn't find no hats is because the Yankees has taken all the shows in the airport, man. They ain't got time. Now you may be able to find a Mets hat because the Mets are winning a little bit. But uh, speaking of the Yankees, uh. Dallas has said, wasn't that you that said that the uh, Yankees were going far behind? Or either that was Grego. One of you have Grego, probably. The Yankees were going far behind Toronto. Uh, tonight, we, got, we beat Toronto 6 nothing, And our pitchers and backup players, because all our players are not back from injury. We don't have anybody back by the weekend. But uh, they doing the job, man. The Yankees are 500. And Dallas has said, I know you got your prayer book out because you don't want me to catch you. And we ain't playing Cleveland yet. So <laughs> you better get on that high horse and you have your apples ready too, all right? All right, man, because I'm looking. We only, what, I think basically one or two games ahead of you. So, yeah. Well, here, here's what you got. Here's what you guys got in the American League East. And, again, this is Sports Done Right on the Stewart Media and Entertainment Network. We got the number one Chief Rocker joining us. And, of course, my co-host for this evening, DJ Dollars and Cents. You got Boston on top, 28 and 17. Baltimore's a half game back. The Yankees are five and a half back. And Tampa Bay, six. Toronto, seven. So, you know, it's all still relatively close, gentlemen. But Boston uh, is on top early. Well, who, who's on the run, though? Tell me who's on the run. Well, you're looking at the New York, yeah, the New York Yankees have won six in a row, baby. Yeah. All right. It's back in the Bronx where the people get fresh. You know what I'm saying? So this time of year, baby, you're going to hear the Chief Rocket just blowing up the mic. Oh, I know we are. Yeah, man, y'all have a good end to the show, man. I just had to get on here and say them things, man. And listen, man, good show tonight. They're going to love it at SME. You know what I'm saying? But whoever don't like the talk that came on tonight, they fake sports fans. And with that, I'm dropping the mic. All right. Appreciate it, man. Much love. Thank you, sir. All right, Vince. We better get out of here. Fish uh, fish is uh, waiting on the the runway. All right, man. Well, again, thank you for listening to us here as we end with the chief rocker music there as well. Well, man, let's just uh, put a bow on this, man. Again, we want to thank Togo Coles for a very, very interesting interview. Again, the baseball mind of Reggie Lawrence. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you, Vince. It's been fun, man. Pleasure, man. We just keep getting better and better, brother. I love hanging with you. Oh, yes, we do, sir. Yes, we do. And I can't wait because more things are coming, more great interviews coming down the road, people. I cannot wait. So for me, Vince Wright, the sports governor, 
the wonderful co-host of the Sports and More show, DJ Dollars and Cents, Reggie Lawrence. We are putting the bow on Sports Done Right tonight. Now, again, remember, folks, there will not be a Sports and More show this Thursday. So we are going to come back to you next week, next Tuesday. I'll be back here, Sports Done Right. Next Thursday, a week from this Thursday, we'll be back with the Sports and More show. So, Reggie, you have a good night, sir. You too, man. Good luck with your uh, golf endeavors. Angie Wright, kick his ass. Oh, that's enough of that. All right, folks. All right, everybody. You guys have a great night. Take it easy out there. I am Vince Wright, and we are gone. And thank you for listening to Sports Done Right. Sports Governor. My man, Thanks for listening to Sports Done Right. Tune in and turn up every Tuesday night, 7.30 Central on Spreaker.com. Search Sports Done Right. That's W-R-I-G-H-T Right. Hosted by Vince Wright, the governor of Minnesota Sports Talk. It's about time you got your sports done right.